0: the way and <laughs> you no know, open mic drop the f-bomb or something like that <laughs>
1: actually we, we were just talking about that because in the last one i think i did like three or four times and i was thinking to myself while i was doing i was like maybe i shouldn't do that and i was like you know what fuck it it's my podcast i'll say whatever yeah do
0: what you want yeah it's your show it's not
1: <laughs> why not yeah all right gentlemen i am good to go whenever you're ready Is sound rolling Oh sweet, okay.
0: This way you can drop the F bomb, and no one would well, everyone would know now. Yeah, exactly. Well,
1: what's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the fucking Curio House Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> As you know, the goal here is to have interesting conversations with interesting people. So today we have my neighbor and friend Ross Langendorfer, who is also the food and beverage director over at Carston Creek Country Club. And uh, Ross, I appreciate you coming out. We've done this once before, yes, but uh, we we didn't have Rod, so it was uh, it was like amateur hour. It was. I was like trying to piece it together, you know, on my camera and everything. It just wasn't the same. No. So we're we're doing uh, we're doing podcast two Perfect. So thank you for coming out.
0: Good. Yeah. Just make sure you have enough drinks over there in the
1: <laughs> I think we've got enough. We've got uh and by the way, thank you for the whiskey. Oh, we've yeah. got some Elijah Craig. Uh, and then I was kind of thinking the same thing, and so grab some Corona. And of course, I've got to have my water everywhere I go. And uh oh man, I was gonna try and set a stopwatch here so I can keep track of time. There we go. Um, and of course. <laughs> And then I've got the nectar of the gods. Little coffee. (laughs) We got a little of everything. Got everything. But hey, you know it's five o'clock somewhere, so we figured we needed to break out, you know, a little a little booze. It's
0: five o'clock in Florida, so we're we're in good shape. We're
1: good. Yeah. (laughs) And summer has come. We got everyone mowing their yards and weed eating and getting ready for spring. Oh yeah, it's nice. I saw Meredith out there the other day.
0: Yeah, she was uh, she was mowing the yard um, just because I haven't got a chance because we're putting a new privacy fence in and it's like i gotta work and i'm not gonna have time to mow the rest of the yard and she's like oh i got it i'm like okay nice so
1: i'm gonna talk jen into mowing the yard
0: yeah yeah i mean <laughs> it's easier but good luck right yeah right. <laughs> no hey, so now is great on it so it's perfect. who's doing your privacy fence i am you are
1: mm-hmm. okay Man, I thought about, uh, because we need to do one over here, Mm -hmm. um, right between, because we've got uh, three sides that are fenced, right. but I've got chain link on this side, and um, for some reason my dog keeps barking at the neighbor, and it drives me crazy, and I don't want to be that that guy, so I'm (laughs) wanting to put up a privacy fence, but it's hard to find people right now.
0: Well, and it's, they're already booked up doing other projects, and then you've got a Building cost materials and stuff like that are just extremely high, and I mean I'm doing mine in, in sections, and you know I just spent 600 bucks at Lowe's, and it's like ugh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so for me, how I do a project is I go, you know, I I'll you know it might take me three months to buy all the materials, but I'll buy them, store them in my garage, and okay. then when I'm ready to do the project, then you I already know. have everything there, and I just it's it's just like in your credit card, and, but. I don't owe any interest on it, so. There you go.
1: We did, at our old house, we did the fence ourselves, mm-hmm. and um, that was a little harder because we were fencing in just shy of an acre.
0: That's a lot. It was a
1: lot, man. It was way more than I bargained for, but we, we kind of did that. We had just gone to Menards uh, in Garden City. This was when we were living in the mm-hmm. panhandle, and we like stocked up on all the material, and then we just kind of had it sitting there for a little while, and I was like, okay, if we're
0: going to do this, Got to get it. We got to do it. I mean, even if you pick at it, like I'm doing it a couple days at a time. So, you know, I need, I'll have enough to do one more section um, this weekend. And then hopefully by, by the end of summer, I'll be done. <laughs> but <laughs> there you go. So, very nice. It's the best way you can do it. I agree.
1: Well, you're kind of a DIY guy, though. Oh, yeah. Because like your house, you've done all the renovations in there. Mm hmm. And I mean, and your house is, it's nice.
0: Yeah. It's a uh, great job experience and love working <coughs> with your hands. And I mean, you as a realtor, get to see it and take quality, take pride in what I do. And same thing with food and drinks and, you know, take ownership in it, not in there to slap it together and try to turn a profit. But, you know, if you're going to make some money doing something, take pride in it. And again, all those fence people take pride in what they do and, if you can afford to do it, do it. If you can try to cut, save yourself some money and you want to take the time and do it. Yeah. Uh, I just like doing, working with that stuff. So,
1: yeah. But. Did you have someone teaching you all this stuff? Because, like, you know, when we walked through your house and you were showing me all the stuff you did in the kitchen and the yeah. flooring, and like a lot of people just don't know how to do that stuff. Did you uh, have someone that kind of taught you? Or
0: uh, So, when I w- had an opportunity when I was. Well, my dad helped out with little projects around the house when I was younger. Um, But the big one was, I was like probably 13 or 14, maybe 15. Anyways, somewhere in the early teens. And um, there's a guy about three blocks from us that would, um, growing up, was remodeling his house. Bought a house. Had us come in, me and a buddy, cut it all out reframe it, wiring, plumbing, drywall. You
1: did this as a 16 year old? Oh yeah.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Oh yeah. And go up there and, um, learned a lot about it and, uh, just kind of pick stuff up as I went on and, um, learn some different things from different people, some plumbers and some electricians and good friend of mine, his dad owns our construction company and now he owns it. Um, And just kind of worked with him for a summer and I've done everything from (laughs) in a day, work construction at 5 a.m., off by 3, go home, shower, take a 30-minute nap, and then go work at a nightclub as a bartender until 2.30 in the morning, 3 o'clock in the morning. Um, And you do that every day? I used to do that every day. I did that for about four months. And then I was like, I can't. Yeah, the money's good, but I can't. can't Yeah, no.
1: Man, that just reminded me of this girl that I used to know, uh, she worked in film out in LA Mm -hmm. and I don't know how she even lived, but all she did was work. And she, at one point, um, I was doing this show called deadly sins. It was a little, um, kind of like a discovery dramatized thing. Right. Um, anyway, so she was on it. Uh, she was a production assistant and I remember one day she was talking about how tired she was um, and she had mentioned she was working on a, on a Disney thing. And I was like, what do you mean you're working? Like you're on this. What do you mean you're working on a Disney thing? And she was like, well, I'm doing both. And I was like, how the fuck do you do both? <laughs> like in film it's 12 hour shifts, yeah. like minimum 12 hour shifts. And so I'm like, there's only 24 hours. I mean, there's only two 12 hour sections in a day. Like how do you do two yeah. of them? And uh, so sh- what she would do is she would wrap one day, and she would go to wherever she was going to be shooting, and then she would just climb in the back seat, take a nap until it was ready to go, and she would get up and do the next shift.
0: Yeah, I've, I've done and stuff similar to that. I don't know how people can live like that. It's easier when you're younger, and no responsibilities, other than rent and food and your bar tab, but... That's true. You know, now, I mean, as we've gotten older with families and mortgages and car payments, you know, it's a little bit more, I uh, you have, I guess grown up more mature yeah. on it so
1: well i feel like for me i need the i feel like if i don't get enough sleep the bandwidth isn't there
0: yeah you can go a couple of days kind of there's a couple of weeks and during karsten that we're work and it's you know we're there or i'm there 4 a.m to midnight get home two hours of sleep back up head back in there um What is that for like events or tournaments and, um, some big, big groups. And I mean, there's times I'll sleep at Karsten, but it's just because, okay, well, my shift is ending and I got to be back in three hours. So I'm just going to go ahead and sleep here. Oh my God. Um, my staff have come in, has come in and seen me sleeping on the floor. Are you okay? I'm like, yeah, you didn't go home. No. (laughs) <laughs> you know, I, I have to smoke a hog and it's got to be ready by four o'clock. So I had to put it on at two o'clock in the morning. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not going home for two and a half hours. So yeah,
1: makes sense. Well, and, and it's what, a th-
0: 35, 40 minute drive, 35 minute drive. Yeah. Yeah. So there's an hour commute right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so 35 minute drive depends on how you drive. Yeah. <laughs> um. So what is Carson Creek? Yeah. T- tell me about it. Because I, I
1: haven't been up there yet. Sure. But I hear that it is like the preeminent. Uh, country club or, you know, golf course, country club in Oklahoma.
0: Oh, oh, for sure. Um, at one point we were ranked uh, top 15 public courses in the nation to play. Top 15 in the nation. nation. Okay. So this is a pretty, pretty nice place. Yeah. So Carson Creek, it's a home for the men's and women's golf program for OSU. Um, we so are, it's actually in Stillwater. It's, well. Well, I guess. Outside Stillwater limits, but in Payne County. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, and I joke about this because growing up in Ohio, being on the high school golf team, I had a couple of buddies like, "Oh, we're going to Oklahoma to try on the try out for the golf team." I'm like, "Why are you going to Oklahoma to try on the golf team? It's a landlocked state. There's nothing there, just prairie lands." And I mean, this is just you know, 17, 18 year old me. I'm like, "There's nothing there. What are you going to go there for?" Yeah. Move forward 20 years, and now I'm here. I'm like, I get it. Yeah. I get it. I yeah. get it. Especially at Carson. So. Carson Creek is twenty five plus years old right now, so um, okay. so we are open to the public and we can come out and play golf. Um, the restaurant's open seven days a week, uh, Monday through Thursday, eleven to two. Um, Fridays, uh, eleven to three. Saturdays and Sundays, eight to three. Okay. We do breakfast, lunch, and we only do private dinners. Oh. So um, so if. We have three lodges, so say so you, you and your buddies come in town and want to play golf for four or five days, or two, four or five. That's a lot of golf uh, <laughs> for two days. We have lodges, and they can stay in the lodges, and I come over there and I cook for them, wine and. You actually go cook for them, mm-hmm. myself oh. or two other my two <coughs> other sous chefs, um, Liz and John, and they yeah they do a great job and um, and so we'll go over there and cook for them, wine and dine them and. Have a good old time, and then they go out and play golf and just get drunk but, <laughs> but they're not driving anywhere they're staying on property there's nowhere else to go. We're nine miles from downtown Stillwater, and okay. we're so you can't go anywhere yeah, so
1: well, it's kind of nice though i mean you you it's like a resort <clears throat> yeah. you can go out hang out, play golf, you can eat, you can drink, have a good time. Yeah. Do you get a lot of uh, like guy weekends or, you know, bachelor parties, things like that?
0: So really the people that stay in the lodges are um, members that have, um, that bring, um, well, a lot of members from Dallas and uh, Nebraska and all that. They fly into Stillwater Airport. We'll pick them up in Cadillacs with all their golf clubs and stuff. And then we pick them up and we'll drive them to Karsten Creek. And they it's all client like clients and, and friends and they're just you know uh, business business opportunities and stuff like that that you get to hear about and um I'm sorry I just had a flashback of a couple of weeks ago but um wait 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 oh, no no a- it was funny it was it's just a it's just a I don't know how to explain it but it was funny um so I feel like you're leaving me hanging I am I, it's probably something that shouldn't discuss off <laughs> okay fair play. enough fair but you know i mean even from norman and they come in bring their or either a lot of its clients some of its friends but it's a lot of corporate corporate ties so you know we talked about our the opportunity that we're working for it's like oh well i know a concrete guy no yeah. oh, i know a civil engineer oh i know you know that's how i built those relationships yeah um through those guys and oh so when we're ready to do it oh, well, i just got to make a couple phone calls and and we can go. Um, so anyways, I digress. So we are open to the public. Uh, for a non-member to play golf is $500 plus tax. Whoa. Mm-hmm. For, so if you're not
1: a member and you want to go play at yep. Carson Creek, it's 500 bucks plus 500
0: tax. 500 bucks plus tax. Holy cow. What, how much does a membership cost? Don't quote me on this one. But uh, for in Stillwater, I think it's like a little over 10000 If you're inside forty miles, is that a lifetime membership? It's one month, (laughs) or not one month. I'm sorry, a yearly membership is ten thousand. So it's really cheap. So when you think of it, um, inside inside forty miles, well thirty nine miles, it's ten thousand plus tax ish something. It's I know it's more than that, but it's under, but it's right around ten. Um, but it includes all your golf. Do you get to bring multiple people for that, or is that well? So you and your wife and your kids. Are included in that membership. Gotcha. Um, and there's no monthly dues. We don't assess you guys. And, um, in state, I think it's like 8,000 outside of 40 miles. Okay. And then out of state's like six six and a half, seven. I don't want to be quoted. Right. So don't quote me on this if you guys call Karsten. (laughs) Um, but you know, the cool thing is, is that, you know, we did raise dues last year. Um, kind of we're trying to anticipating um the cost go- rising so mm-hmm. when we raise the dues we're like well costs of goods are going up we were i mean we were talking about this last year and we were talking about this the last time we talked and the rise in prices and trying to like go fuel and all the stuff that we need to just to maintain the golf course because all that money that we raised from the um from the membership goes straight right to the maintenance of the golf course all of it all of it
1: how is that possible? Well, I mean, it's... Because how, how many members do you think Carson has? Yeah, we're 200. Only 200? Mm-hmm.
0: Really? So so how it works out is like Carson Creek itself, like the golf, so we're the home of the men's and women's golf program, but they are also members at Carson as well. And all the head coaches have memberships and all that stuff. It's part of their contracts with the university. And so we have all that. So we have that tied in, but... You know we have, we have openings for national members. I know I know that much. Um, we have a waitlist for in, inside inside. We call them lo, or local members. I, I'm just gonna call them local, member, for local members um, for local members. There's a waitlist for local members. There's a waitlist for state members as well. How long is the waitlist? Uh sixty for state. Like five or six for local. Wow. Okay. So you got to remember also Oak Tree's closed right now. Yeah. is closed. Is Glargius closed? Well, they were. I know they were closed for a little bit. I don't know if they reopened yet. Okay. But I know Oak Tree's closed. Yeah. Um, and then all those places will assess their members left and right. And we don't, that's not something that we do. Um, but we are getting ready to shut down in 2023, possibly, for renovations to the golf course. Really? Is not, that what Oak Tree's doing? They're just renovating? They're renovating their golf course. Yeah. So that's why they're shutting down. Okay. So, um, for us, um we're in the works on doing that. Um, there's not a hard date on it. We don't know exactly what's gonna happen, don't know how much money it's gonna cost yet. Yeah. Um, but they have an architect that's out, um, drew up some new plans for the golf course that looks awesome. Really? I mean, I've played I've already played it a couple times on my like, I want to play this one too, so um, so okay. I mean it's kind of a cool setup, and it's a lot of fun, I mean, yeah, I mean it's pretty cool, so yeah do, how many acres is the course cover? do you know uh the course sit's on two hundred acres. we just purchased the other two hundred acres around Carsten Creek this way, no one can build a housing complex like build a just a like a community, we, community on Karsten. yeah. Because the cool thing about Carson, it's all... There's 14 homes at Carson Creek. And um, it's all secluded. You don't see your neighbors. You don't even know. You only see two houses when you drive in.
1: That amazes me. There's 14 houses on 200
0: acres. Yeah. That's awesome. And you don't see any houses on there. It's all secluded. Um, Even when you're on the golf course, you only see... um, you never see the hole in front of you you don't see the holes beside you it's just tree uh post oaks and all no. that stuff and native and i mean it's a gorgeous golf course you know coach holder did a great job designing it when he did it and um the fazio group did a good job when they put it in and is that i wonder so i don't know much about golf courses so um
1: it sounds like the coach designed it and so if you're designing a golf course then you're going in and uh I guess like laying out the course, how the how the holes are set up or the fairways, positioning of like what, sandboxes. S- yeah. I mean everything
0: bunkers, like everything. So when you're it's cool when you, it has a clean slate, you're just pretty much drawing on a piece of paper and granted there's more things like elevations and mm. canyons or waterways and stuff like that are involved in it, but really you just here's where your plot of land. Well, this is kind of what I want to see here this is what I want to see here and then you and the designer just kind of go back and forth and kind of design on the course so
1: I'm sure there's things that they take into consideration like <clears throat> the uh like um how the traffic should be flowing and how the people should be moving and oh for things sure. like that yeah.
0: okay. you know and then there's even questions on you know cart path and you know how how what material cart path should be involved the direction how do you want it run you don't want it. Ooh, excuse me. <laughs> um excuse you don't want it to run, you don't want it to run necessarily through your fairway, so you want to try to get it around and so you get less less cart traffic and okay stuff like that. So for us, you know, right now the green uh the fairways are zoja. What is that? Zoysia grass. Oh. Well, I've never you. heard of it. Just, <laughs> for a golfer it is the nicest grass to play on right now. Really? Um so for us, we don't want you driving in the rough. Okay. Because one, we don't water the rough. No one waters the (coughs) rough. Two, um, it wears it down. And three, we want it as thick and tall as we can. So to make the course, keep the course hard. Because the whole goal is to really, uh, I'm going to back up a little bit. So, like with Karsten Creek, so we're all focused on the men's and women's golf program. Our goal is to get these athletes, college athletes, ready for the next level. So the Ricky Fowler, the Victor Hovland, um, the Matt Wolf, the Charles Howell that came from there, and then you have in the and then you, we want them to be ready for the tour. We want them to when they leave Karsten or OSU, we want them to be able to dominate. Okay. The tour.
1: So this course is designed more, more so for OSU athletes for their athletes yep. to perform, so that when they get to you know the PGA or, or they're playing right. pro, they they can get in and,
0: right. and- so, I mean, people get, some people get confused about this. It's like, well, so Carson Creek is the same thing as the football team using Boone Pickens Stadium. Okay. So, okay. It's, so, just, so it's, it's their stadium. It's their stadium. It's just gotcha. we're nine miles out, sit on 200 plus acres of land, and they yeah. have pretty much run it.
1: And so then it sounds like they probably open it to the public and these memberships are essentially funding the, the academic
0: part of help, it. Help keep the lights and gas on. Yeah, for, I got for you. This part. But, um, I guess that's kind of the best way to sum it up. Um, I know there's more legality in it but it's it's kind of the easiest way to
1: no it makes sense so are they gonna the other 200 acres they bought are they planning to
0: expand the course into that um with some of it that they have they're gonna when they do the renovations they're gonna reroute a couple holes um other than that no they're gonna leave it alone okay absolutely (gasps) leave it alone nice is it undeveloped undeveloped nothing's there nice
1: Well, and when we were uh, getting together last time, looking at land around Mm -hmm. there, um, the university actually owns a lot of land. A
0: ton, a ton of land. That blew my mind. Yeah, they own a ton of land, and a lot of it's through donors and stuff like that have, you know, over time have donated it to the university. But they own a ton. Pretty much, you just, you take 30, take university to 35, and they pretty much own almost everything all the way up to um to Carl Bra- uh, Carl Blackwell and in a in a, in a roundabout it's not exact number but they own a lot of that
1: you had been telling me that they're able to acquire that land through like a a special program or or there's some sort of it's not a subsidy right they they just yeah, have like special the,
0: access to it so like the yeah there's something there was something about the, there was a contract when Carson Creek was first developed that we had the option to buy the remaining land that Carson, that was surrounded Carson for, I don't remember the dollar amount, but the X amount of dollars. And so they decided a year ago, two years ago that we would go ahead and well, let's just get it before someone buys it and puts a, puts a huge, you know, $30 million house on it. And, we have no say in it and now we have to look at this monstrosity. Yeah. Every day.
1: Or you have someone like you were saying come in and put a housing development with, you know, 150 houses yeah. and
0: That's why it says like, let's go across the street from Karsten. Yeah. Buy that. And yeah. Just put a housing development in there.
1: Well, there's gonna be some massive opportunity, I think, in the next several years, because what I'm seeing like in Logan County is especially on the west side, but also on the east side. I think it's just a little more flat over on the West side. So you have these, what were just wheat fields uh, and farmers, you know, that farming is one of the wildest things right now in terms of um, like what is happening internally in the industry. Um, It's one of the biggest transfers in wealth in history because agriculture and farming is a huge business. But what we're seeing is, the younger generation doesn't want to continue on the sort of family farm legacy. oh, oh.
0: yeah, I mean you, you worked in the farm. Yeah, and, and not anymore because <laughs> it's, it's fucking hard. It's, it's yeah, I mean it's it's hard work. And I don't I don't work in a farm. I just planted a small garden, but you know, food and beverage, I get it. You know, farmers get hosed left and right. Um the people that make the money are the meat packers and the distributors and you know are Trying to figure the best way to phrase this. Our um, fearless leader that's in Oval Office right now said there's a food shortage. I'm like, we have plenty of food to feed America. Oh, yeah. There's plenty of food. We, I don't know why he's starting to make everyone worried about the wheat and the that's, grain. I like, no, have plenty. Never, there's plenty of food in the United States. That's I go, the been problem. a been problem. Yeah, and there's, there's plenty of food. We waste more food in the United States than we do anything. So... One, I one go, of the problems is
1: the, the costs that are associated, for instance, like with um, cattle in like the beef right. industry. Yeah. So um, packers have increased prices, packing prices. Mm-hmm. That hurts the industry. But then you have like commodity prices are through the roof. So corn's high, wheat's high, yeah. barley's high, like everything's high. And that increases the cost in feeding the animal. Mm-hmm. And then with labor prices going up, it's like these business owners, these farmers are getting pinched for every penny. There's no more profit in it.
0: And that's, and that's the hard part too. I mean, I see it and this is the part that frustrates me because I, I feel like I'm getting bamboozled. Oh yeah. Double time. So Uh, running Karsten Creek, I've already raised food costs or food prices three to four times this year. now we're in April. So I already raised them again. Um, and then I come home, you know, and my wife goes to the store and buys groceries for the house and buys this stuff and brings it in, I'm like, that was $300? Yeah. Are you kidding me? I go, I'm, I'm spending $3,500 every two days at Carson Creek to provide quality food and higher-end food, and she's going to Walmart, spending $300, and I'm like... And, like, the Walmart stuff is, like, it's just cheap. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm at least buying quality stuff. And, you know, it's hard. Again, like, I'm feeling bamboozled. I'm feeling, you know, I'm turned. You know, I'm just, like, the money we're making here, I'm just turning around dumping it here. Sure. You know, we're not, I'm not making any common ground. And, you know, you and I have talked about, you know, opportunities for us to um, grow our personal wealth and, um, improve ourselves, and yeah, you know, I was thinking the other day. I was, you know you ever feel something like just right there? You can almost reach it. You know, being well, you're you're not short, so you don't have this <laughs> problem. But you know, re- reaching that flowers on top shelf, like I could just reach that wealth, and it's almost there, but yeah. I'm too short. I can't get it. There's no ladder. Yeah. I'm here by myself. Yeah. Uh, darn it, I'm just struggling but just to get it. Like there, get it. that that
1: problem is incredibly pervasive. And, and I think that the issue with it is that in school, we're not taught, we're not taught how to think correctly. Like we're, we're taught how to, um, solve problems in the sense that you like solve arithmetic problems. You're taught like, you know, the basics of English and grammar and science. And it's sort of this broad spectrum of education, but one thing they don't teach you is how basically how the world works in terms of capitalism and innovation, and um, you know, thinking about how to solve problems. Because at the end of the day, these like business owners or people that have invented products, at the end of the day, they're always doing this to solve a problem or or fill a need. Right. And in order to like figure out what needs solving, you have to sit and think about things, right? You and so we're talking about housing and investment which is another gap in education because these kids aren't taught <clears throat> to become investors and they're they're not taught to use money they're taught to work for money and so they're taught to like you know here you're, you're getting an education so you can go get a job right right instead of being taught you know you're getting an education so that you can build yourself a business
0: right and that's you know and those smart ones again we you know go back to our conversation before this started was you know, ask my you know ask the younger kids. Oh, what do you want to be? I want to be a gamer or uh, a YouTuber. And I'm thinking, oh, there's how oh, there's how is there money in that? And then you start looking at these people up there on YouTube. I'm like you're 10 years old and you're worth 30 million dollars. I am too I'm too smart dumb to figure that out. Yeah. Um, because at one point it's not going to work out. There's only so much you can do. And you know, my daughter's into Watching I'm not gonna name drop because I he's not gonna get I don't want him to get paid from us um, <laughs> or from you um watches this guy and I'm just like he's worth like eighty million dollars, and I'm just like, what is going on you're twenty two and I go I'm too smart dumb to figure it out i'm too smart I'm smart enough I could do it, but I'm too dumb to figure it out so that's why I call it smart dumb
1: <clears throat> so there's this girl <clears throat> and I'm trying to remember. Uh, how old she was, she was young. I want to say she was like seven, eight, nine, somewhere in that area. And she was getting on YouTube, making all these like sassy videos, talking about you know how she's like investing in crypto and she's already getting returns and this and that. And she's like sitting in fancy cars at fancy houses and like this little 10 year old or whatever, like living the dream. And she got really famous. And everyone's like, Where the hell did this little girl like get money? Well, it turns out her mom is a real estate agent and, like, has access to these big houses yeah. and, you know, stuff yeah. like that. So she just helped her daughter start this YouTube channel, and it's all superficial, but people don't know. No. And so they catch on thinking, oh, this girl's rich, and she's making it, What's you a, know, whatever. What was,
0: the, what was there, study on? Like, half the crap on the internet's fake. Dude. <laughs> it's, it's something like that. So... <laughs> you can post... I mean, that's the thing. That grow, I mean, I remember growing up... Our God, this makes me feel old. So I remember our first class, like computer class, was the only air conditioned room in the building. Yeah. And we had a class about how the internet and everything the internet stays on the internet. And then how um, you can post wherever you want. So you can't always verify what's on the internet is real. Yeah. Or actual. So that's why they said you always have to go to the library and double check out of a book. Because they didn't want you plagiarizing off the internet or blah, 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 blah. I don't remember, but something like that. That was a long time ago.
1: Well, the, the problem now is that, um, one, I think people, especially young people, have kind of caught the idea that, hey, I can put on this um, illusion of having been very successful at something, and I can put this on YouTube or Instagram or TikTok and just like scream it from the rooftops, and people are going to believe it and I'll be able to create this social right. brand. And so like uh, I had a buddy send me a, a video for laughs because this kid says like, you know, in 2015 I was waiting tables um, in in 2018 I was uh forget I was at a used car dealership and in 2021 I bought this 1.8 million dollar Airbnb and he's like and then he like breaks down how he did it and he's like I, you know, put uh, twenty percent down. That's five hundred thousand. This, that, after you know renovations, ARV, all this stuff, and I'm like, what twenty year old goes from waiting tables to selling used cars to putting a five hundred thousand dollar down payment <laughs> on a one point eight million dollar
0: house? My my question my question is is what market do they live in? Do who's their still, dad? Who's their dad? <laughs> they still live at home. You know my my thing is is that. There's nothing wrong if you're, you know, 20 years old and still live at home. I mean... No, not at uh, all. There's nothing wrong with that, if you're especially if you have a goal of saving up and buying your first house. I mean, I just didn't move out of my first my parents' house until I was 20 because I bought my first house. Yeah. At 2021. 20, I bought another one, another one, another one. But, you know, it's, it's one of those things that uh, I don't get it, but, you know, there's... You, you brought the concept of... of YouTubers working for money or getting a job. Well, no one wants to do that anymore. No one wants to to work. It's all let's go be internet famous. Let's go be famous. You know, let's go sweat. My dad's probably going to hear this and he's going to get mad at me. You know, there's nothing wrong with not going to college. No, there's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong. I went to college. It wasn't for me. I dropped out, started a business, was working a full time job. I'm still working a full time job. Still own I still own a business, Um and, but I I will throw a caveat on that.
1: Yeah. I'll say it's it's and not it's, a problem to not go to college, but you have to educate yourself. Well,
0: there you have to educate yourself. You have to be willing to learn because you're gonna learn. You're gonna learn the hard way. You're gonna have lots of fails. I've had lots of fails. Yeah. Um. But I have no problem with my daughter going to. And I kind of wish I would have done this trade school. Yeah. Not, not culinary, because culinary, I've learned all my culinary skills on the job. Like a vote. My temp. bartender. Yeah. But go, you know, I mean, we have two neighbors down the street from us that are plumbers. They do very well for plumbers. We have a neighbor that does HVAC, you know, electricians. You, you should see the invoices I get at Carson for refrigeration. Yeah. I, I'm there's paying you $200 guy, just, an hour, and there's two yeah. of you here. Are you kidding me? Um, you know, anything like even like the, um, restaurant repair or equipment, stuff like that. I mean, I just
1: met a guy that makes 160 grand a year. Mm-hmm. And what he does is goes around to new build construction sites mm-hmm. and picks up the trash from the, from the workers.
0: Oh yeah. Uh, I met a guy the <laughs> other day that, um, is a welder, professional welder. He's been to... Thirty-five countries, and it's worth about twenty million dollars. The other day, wow! I'm like, "What do you do?" He's like, oh, "I've been all over the place." And he's got it, his head is his his truck had to be with all this equipment on. Had it, to be three hundred thousand dollars worth of equipment on it with this Jesus. truck. And he's like, "Yeah, I've been to Alaska and weld this, and I go to I go to Florida and I go deep sea welding." And I'm like, "Jesus, wow!" So I mean, there, I mean, there's things there that skills that we as a society need to keep going on as electricians and and carpenters trains people and absolutely yeah, and there's place. a big deficit right now huge it's just like farmers we still need farmers because if we don't have farmers we don't have food yeah and people kids knock on it nowadays but i'm like you guys don't realize that it. it just doesn't poof it's on the shelf
1: oh I laugh my ass off at the, uh, random like YouTube video, like a YouTube short that I'll get mm-hmm. where there's some guy on the street with a microphone and he goes up and he's like, you know, Hey, can you tell me what animal a steak comes from? And they're like, uh, they have no idea. They have no idea. Yeah. Uh, and it, that just blows my mind because they think that they, that the grocery store is where steaks come from.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, I'm,
1: <laughs> you know, but i think i think the bigger problem is and always will be education. Oh yeah. Because if you don't start these people off, these young people off on the right on the right foot in terms of mindset, uh they're just always going to think that uh, it should be easier or that it should be instant or that the world's going to give it to them.
0: Yeah, and that's one of those things too. It's you know, it's it comes back to our parents. And you know, the same thing with my daughter. Is that our parents, your parents and your parents' parents, they want us to succeed more better than they do better than what they did. Every generation. And I want my daughter to do better than me mm-hmm. and my wife. I want her to succeed more. Yeah. Um, Which is good. But it's teaching those work ethics. You know, You know, daddy's gone for, you know, I'm gone for two weeks or you know there's a kid's dad that's in the military and he's gone for 6 months out of the year, 8 months out of the year. You know, you you have to explain that like, oh, he's working, he's trying to make our family better, the world a better place. And you know, for us here it's you know, I might be working all the time, but I'm trying to provide bigger and better things and mm-hmm. always looking for new opportunities to improve myself or improve my net worth. Um well, and that's the biggest thing is you And they don't teach that in school. No. And that's something that comes to home. Um, So being, I mean, I mean, my parents were salespeople. So, you know, you know, they're working sales, you know, years were good. Years were bad. I mean, just, just like the economy. When it's good, it's good. When it's bad, it's bad. So. But you know what? I know people
1: that in a bad economy, they were getting rich. Oh yeah. And I know people that are going broke right now and we're, despite what everyone or what some people would make you want to think, Mm -hmm. this is still a very good
0: economy right now. It's a, it's still, it's a very strong economy. I pulled my stuff out of stock market just because I need to use it for other things, but, um, the market's still good. Um, you know, there's, um, yeah, I mean, you pretty much nailed that on the head. Well, but
1: huh? yeah, but and to elaborate, I just mean that it's not always just about like the economic circumstances. Yeah. It's like whether it's a good market or a bad market, people are going to get rich, people are going to go broke.
0: There's there's always one there's always it doesn't matter when the market's bad, the market's going to be bad. I mean, that's yeah. I mean, and then but there's some people in the market's better can do really good. Well, and here's the thing. When like if we
1: have a downturn in the economy, mm-hmm. What happens is people get scared, right? Because they start fearing loss. Like, I'm going to lose my job, I'm going to lose my money, I'm going to lose my house, I'm going to lose all this stuff. They start thinking loss. Whereas someone with a different mindset might say, "Shit, everything's going on sale."
0: Yeah, well, that's kind of where where I'm thinking. How we talked about earlier, I'm like, exactly. I'm just I'm just waiting for our stuff, and then the stuff it's turning. I just want us to snatch it up and exactly turn it in um because i bought on the high side and then it crapped out so um but it's it's one of those things that you know you're gonna do it you just you learn again plenty of fails yeah plenty of fails. Fail. you have you, to, have you can't to. you can't always win you can't always win if you could you need to play the lottery uh <laughs> <laughs> and let me know so i can chip in on the ticket yeah exactly <laughs> exactly um but no, I mean you can't always win and you gotta take your take your losses um well or with um to the chin and um but you gotta take the wins and enjoy those and don't go blow it all in one place and you know, save it for when the market turns again so you can do it again.
1: Yeah, well I think there's something to be said about the person that is able to kind of step back and just acknowledge that hey, it, it's like a law. Like there are ups and downs, there are seasons, Mm -hmm. right? We have seasons in everything. We have seasons in life. We have seasons in terms of like, you know, age, uh, you know, I, I kind of imagine like your younger years are like your spring, you know, you're kind of blossoming and, you know, figuring things out. And then you've got your summer where, you know, you kind of have these battles, you got to be um you, you know you got, you you're continuing to grow but you also have to be defensive and protect yourself from the weeds and all this other stuff coming in and then you you know have I fall like where you're harvesting yeah i like this analogy <laughs> i'm <laughs> like just analogy. running with it no but, I,
0: no i like it and i get where you're going because i mean it's really you're looking at your 13 when you're trying to find jobs you know bar, yeah. you know you know you're you know mowing the yard or yes. babysitting and you know, you do that odds and ends stuff. You know, you're 21, 22, still you know bartending or serving. Yep. You know, because you still have to make ends meet. And then you start looking. You're looking down the road, and now you're 28. Yep. 29. It's summertime. And it's really it's you're getting into the summer. Got to get in your summer bod. Yep. Yep. That's pretty much put. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Never been in it. Never been in it. Um, <laughs> summer bod, and you know your 30s. You're in your you late 20s. And you're in your 30s and you're, you know, the, and then you approach your 40s and, and so on. And, you know, really now you realize in your 30s that early 30s, you're like, okay, this is kind of where I'm at. This is my niche. This is what I need to focus on. These are the people I want in my life. These are the people I don't want in my life. And then you start kind of honing in and yes. funny, 'cause because really your 20s, you're still trying to figure yourself out. Yeah, you don't know which way's up. No, and my parents said, you know, no one takes you serious until you're 25. And I was like, oh, whatever. That's not right. But I, I don't felt believe, totally yeah, believe you it. You get it now, right? no, now. Now you get it. We're older, so yeah. we we get it now. And then when I turned 25, 26, I was like, huh, huh, mom, dad, you were right. i was gonna say you were right. And people start taking you more serious as an adult. One, yeah, great, you can rent a car and and, and, and at a cheaper rate and all that fun stuff. But, um. No, well, people take it people take you more take you more serious at twenty-five. And even with all my staff being eighteen to well, I think the oldest is thirty-two, but majority of my staff's, you know, eighteen to twenty-two. And you know, I I give them the benefit of the doubt to learn mm-hmm. and making a mistake. I, I try to feel like I'm their dad. I'm there to kind of help them. Oh, no, oh i don't know yeah
1: (laughs) you're like honing your skills kind of urging you in the right direction more of a mentor
0: right you know the issues that they have at home or that they're with their boyfriends or their girlfriends or the issues that they're having i find to try to be a sounding board for them and um you have to be careful because you can't really tell them what to do because of if something happens but you just sounding board you might suggest a direction to go um really it's just kind of one of those things that you, know, you you take some of your personal aspects of it and then business aspects of it and you just kind of kind of try to mold them together to each person
1: but see it takes time to develop that. what i think is the experience that allows you to convey right. and articulate that information
0: now if you put myself in this role when i was 22 through 25 it would be a different it would yep. be a different shit show yeah and again, we talked earlier, I'm like, I'm half tempted to just put cameras in the kitchen and have them all wear GoPros and you know, we'll edit it on just and just let the random stuff happen. And then and then when they find out when we let the cameras roll at night when we're not there and really find out that the clubhouse really is haunted, then then it's Do you think like, it's haunted? Oh, I already know it is. Why? What happened? Uh there's multiple times that I personally have seen a black figure go from one door to the other door no, while I no. throwing a pot early in the morning. I've had there. What,
1: what do you mean, like a shadowy
0: figure? Oh, just or? you just see something move from here to there, and you don't even know. You don't. You look over, and no one's there. This is because you're there by yourself. And then I've had other times, or a couple times, and there was two other people with me. We were standing far away from where it happened. And there's, there's, I mean, I take everything for granted. I look at everything for what it is. We have two big AC vents on our kitchen line and their utensils hang underneath it. And they, when the AC kicks on, they kind of move around and clink. Okay. Well, this one was not near any of it. And we were standing there talking. No one was by it. All of a sudden we watched it pop up off and hit the ground. No. Yeah. And there's other ones that, um, my sous chef Liz and another girl in the kitchen, we have a cart that we put potatoes on. There's probably $350 or 350 pounds of potatoes on this cart. And they're just, they were there by themselves and they just watched the whole cart just move three feet. What? Nothing around it. Did it move and stop? Yeah, it just moved and stopped. Wow. There's other time you know girls here whistling, housekeepers here whistling in the clubhouse. And who and would be haunting like it? Like what was there something that went down there? Or? Uh, we don't know. We don't know. So there's either, and I'll show you when you come out on Tuesday. Um, but this was before the um Boone Pickens was buried at Carson Creek. This happened before. Boone Pickens was buried at oh, Carson okay. Creek. Oh, I didn't tell you that. So, anyways, all right, all right, okay, so what? We always thought one weird, yeah. So weird <laughs> shit has always happened at Carson. So, but we always called it Indian Joe because we didn't know. It's just weird, just how. We I was going to ask if there was
1: Native people. Americans. We don't
0: know, okay. but we just that's what we just blamed it. on. Okay. And then, Ben Pickens passed away in September eleventh, twenty nineteen. So we had his his uh, childhood home was moved to Carson Creek. Wow. So it's moved from Holdenville, Tech uh, from Holdenville, Oklahoma, to his estate in Texas. A state, really. His estate, really, it is state. It's because it's like it's compound. It's like fifty thousand acres. That's still for sale. Oh you God. should try to sell it. Um <laughs> yeah. it's like two hundred million, three hundred million dollars, something like that. Wow. Um it has its own airport. There you go. Someone uh, put me in contact with it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then so he moved it from there to Stillwater to Carston Creek. Okay, and so now it's he it's um, his childhood home's there. Uh, we refir- uh refit. It's um, refurbished Re- to okay. exactly the way it was in nineteen twenty, whenever it was built. Really? Yeah. And then next, what it, is it? Is it? Do they have
1: it set up as like a museum or something? It's or? a museum.
0: Okay, okay. and then. Which has a running toilet in it, AC, everything works in it. Okay. And then he is buried right next to it. And there's a statue with him pointing exactly to the Boone Pickens Stadium. And the statue at Boone Pickens Stadium is pointing right to him. Oh, how funny. Yeah, so, and, you know, he's buried right there. And, you know, I had, staff and I had an opportunity to, we had to be a pallbearer to move it to the casket. And his casket weighed 900 pounds with him in it. Holy shit. It took 12 of us to move it. Oh, my God. <laughs> it was same style of casket that Reagan was buried in.
1: Really? Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. Boone Pickens was a big or still is a big name oh, in yeah. Oklahoma. Huge. <clears throat> and he was a massive donor to OSU. Oh, yeah. I wonder what his total lifetime contribution to the university was. I know over was
0: it 650 million I think to the university that he donated. I think yeah, it's Good something like that. Lord, he he don't he gave away a lot of his wealth. Yeah, he really did. Which honestly, why you're, keep you're, it? Yeah, you you can't spend it in a lifetime. No, you you created all this wealth and um, you know he did. I mean, he did a lot of great things for Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, and a lot of other charitable organizations that he donated to. But, you know, he really did give away, oh, there's a book. I'll, I don't have it at home, but I'll give you the name of it. Uh, it's like The First Billion's the Hardest. It's a book yeah. that he wrote. Oh, really? Yeah, and because he was worth, at one point, like $2.5 billion or something like that. Really? Yeah.
1: Well, I, I, I bet I understand the premise, but, you know, I always, I guess, associate, it goes back to education, but once you, so I heard, uh, you know Jim Rohn, mm-hmm. so I heard him say once that you should set a goal to become a millionaire, not for the money, but for what you will become in achieving it and that like really resonated i was like wow so it's not about the money because you could um you know go through that process of becoming a millionaire lose it all and you can make it again easily because uh, you know how to do it
0: you know what needs to be done well you that's a mindset that's part of like boom pickens book he i mean he lost all his money at one point he had nothing at one point really and then he rebuilt it and back up again and you know it's a it's a really interesting book and
1: one I haven't read yet. I need I need to
0: read it though. I haven't Maybe. read it yet either, but I've read snippets of it, but
1: okay. I I've heard he was a pretty fascinating guy. And he he made his fortune in oil. Oil. Okay. And it was all like around well, I know some was in Oklahoma, but then in like
0: West Texas. Yeah, West Oklahoma, West Texas and um you know, the family, you know, work with the family a lot still to this day and you know Great family. I mean, I couldn't say anything bad about any of them. They're just... And I even met Boone Pickens before he passed away. And granted, it was in his older years, but just such a nice guy. Yeah. I mean, from my aspect, just super nice. Yeah. From what I saw.
1: Well, before we get too far off of it, I want to yeah. go back to this ghost thing. Okay. Have you had any other ghost experiences? or At
0: Carson Creek or just... Well, I mean, in, in general. Um. Yes. You have? Yeah. It just depends on any anything freaky like touching your shoulder type of stuff you have uh, yeah but this was a long time ago so okay yeah d- so d- do you believe in ghosts uh i'm hit and miss really i don't know i just i think there's always an explanation for everything so is there an explanation for the black figure that moved I don't know. Where- <laughs> it could have been cuz it was 4am and i was stirring a pot you were by yourself, and I was by myself, so but you know I, there's always something like staff's like, oh, the pots and pans are moving. The AC ducks blowing on the pots and pans move the pots and pans. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so I had one that is probably the only what I would say real ghost experience. <clears throat> and I'm pretty certain that I I felt physically felt something that was not there. And this was on a movie we were shooting in Montana. We were in Butte. Butte, Montana. And it that's was by Bozeman. Yeah, not far from Bozeman. Mm-hmm. I think it's like Two 30 or 60 up. miles north of Bozeman. And I could be
0: completely wrong, but that's what I <laughs> that's what I think I remember.
1: Um and uh, so this was a post-apocalyptic zombie western. Oh, that, of
0: course. You're just kind of opening it all up right there. <laughs> yes.
1: And uh, it was actually written and produced by Nick Carter from Backstreet Boys. Oh, and so And it starred Nick Carter and all the other Backstreet I gotta Boys. Go, I got to
0: go find this movie NSYNC.
1: now. <laughs> you should watch it. I Actually, it was, it was a really good time, and we, we had a lot of fun. We ended up getting it tattooed. And so that, that one right there, everyone always asks me. They're like, so what's that for? Is that how many people you killed? And I'm like, no. <laughs> let, me, let me tell you a story real quick. Uh, but the movie was called Dead Seven. And okay. so we we got these little seven hashes or whatever. But uh anyway, one of the one of the like bits in the movie is they they have to like one of the little quests that they go on takes them to this old abandoned like brothel. And um we ended up shooting at the oldest brothel in North America which wow. is right yeah. there in in Butte, Montana. And uh, it's got a really dark history. Uh, it had burned down once, uh, but it, there was this madam that ran it. And the the original brothel was uh, this single-story building, and you'd walk in the front door, and there were uh, rooms that lined. There's like this main hallway, and then there are rooms that lined both walls. Um, and then there was a stairway where you went downstairs, and that was for like... The, the really kinky stuff or whatever. Yeah. And, um, so, and when you go down there, it was like, um, stone walls, you know, it's pitch black cause it's underground and there are these super creepy, they're like little windows, like a two foot by two foot square. Mm-hmm. Um, and you could look through and inside you could just see where there would be, be like a little, very, like a cot sized kind yeah. of bed. Anyway, uh, so we, one of the scenes was shot down there and now it's, um, it's, I, th- I think it's still like a, I don't think it's a, f- it's not a functional brothel, but it, it's still set up like that. Um, now it's this two story thing and they've got, um, this kind of open area upstairs and there's rooms that line on the top. Mm-hmm. Anyway we shot in the oldest part downstairs and it was this creepy zombie prostitute scene. Like it was, it was really weird. And, uh, anyway, so I was on, um, I was working as an electrician on that. And so we had been down setting up lights and doing all that stuff. They shoot the scene, everything's great. And, you know, company moves on to something else and we're down there cleaning up, wrapping up wires, packing up lights and all that. And there was three of us down there um, we're rolling up cables and, and, you know, you set up a bunch of lights for these shoots. I mean, you might have 10 lights, just, you know, they're all meant to do different things. And so, um, you, you stay pretty busy and I was there winding up some cords and we had been laughing talking about how haunted it felt down there. And, um, uh,
0: the eerie feeling
1: that eerie feeling. Yeah. Where you kind of like, I shouldn't be down here, but I have to be down here. Your hair kind of stands up. And, uh, so the last I had heard my buddy JB was in the next room over wrapping something up and, uh, I had been wrapping, I thought he was still there. And, uh, so I was wrapping up this cable and I go to turn and as I'm turning, I felt something hit my shoulder and actually like hit my shoulder. Like it moved me. Yeah. And I turn around assuming it was going to be him and nobody's there. And it's, I didn't bump into a wall. Yeah. I didn't hit a doorway. Like, it was nothing like that. I was in the middle of this room and something hit me. So I turned around. He's not there. And I was like, and I booked it. Yeah. I went up the stairs and like I dropped the cables, ran upstairs. I didn't go back down there. Yeah. And because I, I was legitimately freaked out.
0: Yeah. No, I, I've had something similar that happen, but nothing that bad but yeah i was well here my favorite one is just you know guthrie oh, oklahoma
1: but before i move, I have yeah. to tell you why we thought it was haunted because the madam uh before the place burned down the first time you know this was the old west mm-hmm. and uh apparently guys used to roll through there they would uh get a bunch of drinks and then they would uh grab a prostitute yeah. you know whatever yeah. but then they would try and hold them up They would, you know, like hold the girl at gunpoint. They wouldn't pay and they would ride out, you know, just hop on a horse and leave. Well, the madam started shooting guys with a 12-gauge shotgun. Oh, So if they were trying to like run out without paying, she would just kill them. And she ended up going to prison eventually. I think she got hung, but she had killed dozens of guys in there. Wow. And so that's kind of why we thought like surely this is haunted.
0: Well, it's just like the... Here, here's a kicker. So Bluebell here in Oklahoma, yeah, right down the street, they just put a pizza parlor in there. Yeah. So that's like the one of the oldest bars in Oklahoma. There's still, I don't know if they haven't been in there, but they used to still keep the bullet holes in the wall. And in the there. ceiling too, right? Yeah. And so, I mean, that was a brothel at one point. And so uh, this is a story from a f- good friend of mine that you know lives down here. And he was telling me that, because he's a sales rep for a food supplier and he's like, yeah, well, you know, these people are looking at buying it and, you know, putting this money into it and buying equipment. He goes, we were down there the other day and it was the weirdest thing. It's like, what? He said, like, we we're down there. There were five of us walk around pointing out equipment, like stuff that they need, stuff like that. They need to buy. And all of a sudden we're in the back in the kitchen. We just hear the front door slam close. In the Bluebell. In the Bluebell, right. Hmm. Wind. Not at all. That happens. And then they heard footsteps upstairs running around. And they're like, oh, so the owner of the building that's getting, trying to sell it goes upstairs and starts looking to see who who's up there. Nobody. Fast forward a year now, or a year and a half, maybe two years, The Bluebell opens. Their opening night. Because it's a pizza restaurant now, mm-hmm. My wife and I are Like, oh yeah, let's go to try get, get try. We call them. We go to try them. Their oven goes down that night. Their opening night. Their opening night. Okay. They haven't been open since because they can't get their oven fixed. What? Because it keeps it keeps going out on them.
1: Why is it that no business can stay in the Bluebell? The longest they ha- stay it's is like
0: it's. It, it's what's it, the I mean, longest the business has stayed open in there? That since we've lived here. Six months? Not yeah, not long. No, it, it, they it, can't it, stay open. It can't. It, I I always contribute like a weird location, but because yeah. it's off the path, you kind of gotta go. But I mean, like, Gage's Steakhouse is great. Yeah, they're they're down the road off way off the path. Yeah. Um. But yeah, no, it's no. I mean, I mean, I've had we've had Mexican food in there, pizza restaurant. I mean, the food's always been good coming out of there, but. Yeah, I mean, it's just a weird. Honestly, you should just open back up as a bar and mm-hmm. just let it get as weird as you can. And except, I mean, again, I've worked in plenty of clubs where private clubs and someone's died in it, and there's just weird, weird, unexplainable things that happen. Um, but yet, sometimes some of them are. Oh, well that's plausible because you go back and look at. Like I, I, I'm nosy. I go look at it. I'd be the of guy course. running around trying to figure it out. Of course. I'm like, oh, oh, what was that? I'm gonna go it and check, see what it was. Yeah. But it could have been the ice running off the building. I mean, mm. but there. But this was the middle of the day in the story that they were telling me. So. Yeah. In the summertime. There might
1: be more to that. Yeah. I see. I have. I have a hard time believing that ghosts. Or spirits aren't real,
0: right? But I don't, I don't believe that they're not real. I don't, but it's there's a thing that I'm gonna go look at it first. There's a logical, like I'm gonna look at it from logical. Oh, the, the hood, the hood vent's blowing on it. That's why it's moving. Or the car drove by. That's why it, you know, the wind blew it open. And, yeah, and it's closed. there could be a million things. Yeah, but there really could be. But I do believe that there's something out there that will that affects us as uh touches us all in a different way or represents itself in a different way, good or bad. Yeah. You know, if I feel like something's in a room, I'll talk to it. Yeah.
1: Do you ever, uh, well, I, I guess you do get those feelings like something's here.
0: Yeah. It'd be. I mean, it could be in this, it's not in this room, but we could be talking and be like, hmm.
1: You know, speaking of this room, mm. I've wondered sometimes because the house is built in twenty nine.
0: Yeah, and we still haven't found the hidden no hidden walkway we underneath haven't, your house. We, we, haven't we still have to get crawl underneath here. You don't know this, Roderick, but there is a uh secret the story is so the houses were built twenties and forties in this neighborhood. World War Two, World War One, so there's This used to be a doctor's office, I believe. And the greenhouse across the street used to be his house. And so there's a rumor that there's a tunnel that goes from this house to this house. So if there was ever an aerator or bombing, they could go into the, go into that. And And by the way, Guthrie is known to have tunnels that run through
1: Guthrie. In fact, when they were when they were working on that intersection down there on Harrison, yeah, and like just uh, east of Division, mm-hmm. they what I heard was that they had an excavator running and they broke into a tunnel, yeah. And so I think that's. I don't think they thing.
0: didn't. I don't think they knew that the one was there.
1: Yeah, but I've heard that. Uh, so the temple which was the first capitol building yep i've heard that there was a tunnel that went directly from there to the old pharmacy on oklahoma
0: okay i can see that
1: and yes i was telling someone else that he said the same thing he was like that would make sense if they would have had like government in there they would have wanted a doctor Doctor, to be able to go from there to the capitol um what like what other
0: tunnels yeah, there been I th- there's I know so you weren't here yet so Gage's Steakhouse their original location in the basement was in the basement yeah really cool location used to be a bowling alley I think or something at one point and I guess originally it was like a uh, a stable for horses underneath the really the building but there's a tunnel you see the door it's metal blocked off and you can't get in it but there's a tunnel there that I. I don't know where it goes, but I know it goes under the city, so I mean, it's really cool. I mean, I love history, I love that western stuff, and you know moving here really, just kind of I guess really Oklahoma and kind of Guthrie kind of draw drew me in and love the history, you know, like stillwater was like the first land run in Oklahoma, and you have the markers for all that stuff, and I don't I mean, I love the history in Oklahoma. Oh, yeah. I mean, all that Western cowboy stuff, you can ask my parents, like, oh, yeah, you always wanted to be a cowboy, and da-da-da-da-da. And I'm like, yeah, I've always wanted to live in Texas, but I find Oklahoma to be way better just because Texas is too commercialized for me. It is. It's too too big. I feel like
1: um, Oklahoma has the right amount of space, Yep. the right amount of country, yep. the right amount of everything. And I always tell people, because like... Yeah, I'm from Southern California, grew up in like Las Vegas and this and that. But I say
0: like Oklahoma really adopted me. Yeah, and and it's pretty, I mean, I think a lot of it goes to the people. Yes. I mean, again, lived in San San Francisco for three years. See, I couldn't do San Francisco. um, See, the thing is, is that people in South Cal... Don't like the people in North Cal. The people in North Cal don't like the people in South Cal, except for uh, a little yeah. different. No. Uh, no, and people don't understand that. If you go to California, you've lived out there. Southern Cal is just the atmosphere is different. You think of what you see on TV, uh, a lot of beautiful people and stuff like that. North Cal, listen, it might not break 65 in the summertime on the coast. It might not. We never had an air conditioner. If it got hot, we just opened up the window, and the hot day was 72. Yeah. You know, and that's that's on the coast. Now, if you're in the city, it'd get to 100, but why go to the city? It was better <laughs> on the coast side anyways. But no, I mean, we you would never... Yeah, I mean, it's just just different. It's like a complete culture difference. Once you get past the... Paso Lopez? No, uh, Monterey Bay. Once you got past yeah. Monterey Bay, it was different. Yeah. And no one knows that other than the two of us <laughs> and your wife.
1: Let's put, let's put, a, we're going to keep it rolling, but okay. let's put a pause on because I'm going to refill our beers real quick. Okay. Sounds good. All right. Uh, and I, that was more just like aesthetic. I just thought it looked cool. And yeah, I'm kind of a fan of um, some like Buddhist ideologies. Yeah. You know, I, I, they have a lot of principles about the body and mind mm-hmm. that I really like you know, a lot of breath work, um, a lot of like in meditation, recognizing your thoughts. And, uh, there's like a couple different perspectives on that. There's the, the viewer, as they call it, like in your mind.
0: Yeah. Third person type of thing.
1: Yeah. Cause you, it, it, so like when they talk about what is consciousness, one thought is like, what is you? Like when you're in your head and you're having these thoughts, you are the viewer or the one experiencing the thoughts. Um, But then, you know, there's also the, the mind, right. Which is almost that sort of conscious, um, like advocate or devil's advocate of the, of the viewer or whatever, you know, they're, they're the ones that are like, you're constantly in conflict with, right. So it's the chatter, it's the desire. It's the angel, it's the, it's the
0: urge. It's an angel, it's the devil. Yes, on your shoulder. It, so, so, yeah, no, I I get it, and it's you drive a lot. Yeah, for what you do. Yeah, I drive a lot. Yeah, I mean, granted, it's thirty-five minutes. You know, it's an hour every day in the car. In the car, there's a lot of times I don't even turn the radio on. Or if the radio is on, I really don't even listen to it. It's just background noise. Because what am I doing? Is I'm I'm role playing my day. Or I'm reflecting on my day, which is crucial, which is important because what it does is when I get home, it helps me, daughter, my wife, come and give me a hug. It helps me just kind of release all that release. And because you've already processed, I've already processed it. So I try to get it through and there's times I'll even sit at work when I get into work. I'm I'll sit there for 10 minutes, just kind of get my thought. I know it's going to be a rough day. I need to get this kind of going. This is what I need to do or coming home. All right. So this is how you handled this. Could you handle it different? What's going on? Cause you need to process that and not I've lived, excuse me. I find this and you take me wrong on this. I, um, or correct me if I'm wrong, but I find I've lived an hour, hour and a half from work at one point. Three hour commute. Yeah. Too far. It's too far. I think. And that's, and that's it, too far for me is that whole computing thing. 30 minutes. I think I find is the right point. Five minutes, 10 minutes. I don't find 15 minutes. I don't find to be therapeutic for me. For yeah. me. So, for, so for me, it's that 30, 35 minutes. Um, process the day. You know, I'll put my I'll Blair music or um, you know, anything to just kind of get my thoughts off of the day so I can focus on my next task. So coming home from work, uh, it's so I can come home and focus on my family or coming home and focusing on on you guys here. And, and, and it's one of those things that you have to, everyone's got to find that mindset to turn on and off because you're always on you're going to burn yourself out and you're, cause I've done it. And it's easy to do. It's very easy to do. So you have to find, you have to find an outlet. So people, I will, I think we talked about this. I want you to guess what music I listen to. Man, I would. And I, I listen to everything. I was just going to say, I think I listen, you're eclectic. I, I, I listen to everything, but what's my main focus? So if my staff's watching this, they're like, oh, we already know. Ooh. Okay. Well, you said,
1: you said uh, like Blair, your music. So is mm-hmm. it
0: rock? A little heavier than that. Is it metal? Oh, yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. See, I can't do metal. And so, so for me, it's that. It's weird. Like the girls, the, the staff at work, the girls at work, like they'll do it for their workouts and stuff like that. Gets them ramped up. I'm like, for me, it's just like gets me ready for the day. I'm there. I'm ready to go for my day. I listen to it my entire shift. And I'm, all home. I'm listening to it on my way home. So it ramps me up. It calms me down. Okay. And there's some days that I have to find something harder, like some acid metal, because I just got to get it really? out. And then it's like today, what did I listen to at work? Nelly. I mean, okay. and then on the way here, I was listening to Nelly today. I mean, I, I just it's my 19 through 22 phase rolling on of me. It's like, man, I wish I had some subs in my truck. <laughs> <laughs> right.
1: I think uh, I'm, I'm the same way. I listen to a lot of everything. Uh, and mine is everywhere. So like in the gym... It'll be anything from rock like um Three Days Grace, Chevelle, Metallica. Very good bands.
0: Chevelle's just in town. Shut up. Yeah. Uh the 31st with corn. Really? Yeah. I'm bummed. I went to go see Nine Inch or uh Yeah, I've seen I've seen Chevelle like twelve, fifteen times. That'd be awesome. They're a good they show. Were,
1: I I love their music. But I'll listen to them in the gym. That's sort of my like amped <laughs> up pl- music. That's
0: not a plug, but you can sponsor the set. Yeah.
1: Come on, <laughs> Chevelle. Um, what are some other bands? Brand new. I was a huge fan of for a long time. I started re- listening, recently listening to a band called Camp. Mm-mm. And so, man, they're um, they're a little more folk. But uh,
0: There's some folk rock bands that are coming out that are pretty decent. They've got some really good stuff. Do we still have the auxiliary? Jack. It's right there on the floor. I don't know what this uh I don't know see, what the volume level is going to be. Let's see. Yeah, like Victor Hovland, acid metal.
1: Acid. As- what is acid top metal?
0: Top 10 metal or top 10 golfer in the world, all he does is listen to metal. You listen to some heavy offbeat stuff. I can get it behind some of it, some of the other stuff I can't. <laughs>
1: see, this is this like is offbeat this is, stuff, is like anything handle. but metal. <laughs> it's just it's folky. It's fun. Kind
0: of, yeah, it's not bad. I like, like it. It's, it's, it's like coming it's out, hanging on out out the
1: bluegrass, upbeat like, banjo, up, yeah, it's jam out, yeah, yeah. you know.
0: Yeah.
1: But all of it's kind of up tempo, yep. And they tell stories, love, so it and uh, it's kind of fun because a lot of the the perspective of the story writing is from another time. So, he kind of puts himself in the perspective of like say a young man in the Civil War era mm-hmm. or uh and you know, it always has like a little twist of love or whatever in yeah. there, but uh, it's just it's fun music to listen to.
0: It, uh, there's um and you know, we're getting to you know there it's, there's some good We're getting way off now. No, you I know. Where we go? It's, it's hey, that's life, right? <laughs> Part 2. Um yeah. Uh, shit show part two, whatever you want to call it. Um, but no, I mean, there's another, the band that I'm listening to a lot right now and we just saw them in concert. Um, well, my wife didn't, she's not, she's more country, which I don't mind. I don't mind country. I like country music. Yeah. Um, just sometimes it just doesn't need to, it's not where I, where it needs to, it doesn't put me where I want to be or need to be emotionally, You're talking emotionally. emotionally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you, the band right now is to... Ice Nine Kills. What the fuck? So they base all their mu- all their music based on, and their CDs based on 80s and 90s horror music. So they have a song out there that's called "Hip to Be Square," and it's based on American Psycho. Okay. All right. So look it up. Ice Nine Kills props to that song because it's it's one you're listening to it and you're like, "What the heck just happened?" And then you think of the movie American Psycho. And then you're like, oh, dude, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs>
1: so, but anyways. Um, do, do you do you ever listen to um, like lectures? Not lectures in the sense that you're sitting in a college classroom, but like um, people like Jim Rohn or yeah, uh, you know, things like that.
0: Sometimes. Tony uh, Robbins. Tony Robbins. Um, I was, you know, I used to listen to a lot of, when I was in sales, I'd do talk radio and you know, listen to a lot of Glenn Beck, and, and not really lectures, just more people giving their opinions on everything. Mm-hmm. Um, Glenn Beck and Rush Limbaugh, and you know, I'll dabble in the Ben Shapiro right now. I guess he's really big he's a right little now. funny. Like you it. gotta something. You have to pause and contemplate what he's thinking, and then pause the video because you're like. Okay, what did he just say? Because he's a fast—he's any fast thinker. Yeah. <laughs> Wait. What? What? Yeah. Okay. Hold on. Yeah. It's, it's hard to keep up yeah. with him. So, but no. But I, you know, I Jordan love them.
1: Peterson. You listen to Jordan Peterson?
0: I have not. Man. But I love their. I I love their ideas, like the Mark Levin. I love their ideas and their views. Um. Jordan, I, I'm. I mean, I view myself as a Republican and conservative. I just don't view myself as that far.
1: Yeah, right. no, neither, neither do I. I'm,
0: but I'm like, I'm not. I'm far. I'm right enough, but I'm not left to, you know, I'm not left a, a right of center. I'm. Um, I don't know. It's it, it's weird. I just I like listening to them say again. I also love a good conspiracy theory, so okay. I take everything, everything with a grain of salt. Again, we talked last time was, you know. There's three sides to every story. Yes. Yours, mine, and the truth.
1: Yep. And um, and and it's going to differ based on perception. Who you talk to.
0: Yeah. Who you talk to, how you present yourself. How, I mean, and again, again, that's why I like Oklahoma. It just draws me. It's more homey, more relaxing. Um, I love the pace. Yes. My wife goes, why do you drive like that? I go, if you've lived in the cities that I've lived in, we'd still be sitting at the Entrance ramp, trying to get on the freeway <laughs> for an hour. So um, I drive like this out of necessity. Necessity, <laughs> habit is a lot of it. Um, yeah, man.
1: I I feel like sometimes. So I do this in the morning because I'm stuck on the idea that like my day starts with the morning, and I I have to nail that. And so like I spend a lot of time in the morning thinking about what it is that I'm going to do, mm-hmm. uh, I kind of like have to get my mind right. And so, uh, like I'll get up and I'll spend a good 30 minutes in the morning, just usually listening to something that's going to like get my brain on the right page, Right. you know? And I think it, it, a lot of it has to do with your brain waves. You know, like if you yeah. think of brain waves on a graph, um, you know, they, they're low and then they ramp up slowly and then they peak at about five, six o'clock and then they start coming down. Yeah, there's and-
0: there's um, there's actually a couple studies on this and actually have a friend of mine seems um, Christopher. Um, I haven't talked to him in a while. I have to think about it. I should reach out to after this. Um, very enlightened person. Um, went through some struggles in his life, but, you know, very, very enlightened now. And there's actually I don't know if I still have it and I need to find it. I think I linked the CD out. But they did a study on brain waves and the type of sounds and music and amplifiers that you need to set your brain levels to yeah. where they need to be. Yeah. And I've listened to it. I I struggled through it the first time. I tried it the second time, like a month later. I'm like, I want to try to do this. I want to see if it works. And then, like the third time I was like, "Ah, yeah," and then I put the c d win on and then I moved like a week later I, was like, I don't I don't know I don't know where it's at so here's here's the big
1: thing I think so you're uh in the morning and at night mm-hmm. uh so in the morning, right after waking, and at night just before falling asleep your brain goes in this sort of mode where um, everything that is happening in the external world is um, passive. Right. So, and it's meant as as like a protection, like a primal protection, Mm -hmm. because when we are first waking up, when we're asleep, we need to still know what's going on in the world, but we can't be consciously aware of it. Right. So we go into this subconscious passive information mode where part of our brain knows exactly what's happening around us, Mm But we're not consciously thinking about it.
0: Well, it, so it's your it's, again, it's your subconscious running. How many times have you driven down the road the past that you've done a thousand times?
1: Well, that's that's more like that's, muscle memory,
0: well, it's muscle memory, but it's still subconscious. You you just blank out and you're like, oh, um, home. What happened? Yeah. What happened like, to that? It's that
1: feeling of being on autopilot,
0: yeah. And, it, you're, and it, uh, it's a weird feeling. And it's scary, too, because uh, something could have happened and I didn't even realize it. And the same thing is you know, when you guys become parents, you know, the same thing as the parents have is that or if you're a light sleeper as a, or as a man in the house, you're sleeping, but you're always listening. It's just yes. like, you know, I'm in my restaurant and I could be t- having a full conversation like you are going, but I'm still listening to my servers in the background, the table next to me, the phone ringing who's coming in the door I'm already seeing and already knowing it um but as we get older we develop that and hone those skills in so when you have kids because you're always listening for your kid crying or walking down the hallway or a noise at the door your dog's acting weird or something you know you hear something jingling or like that shouldn't be there that sound well, should not be happening.
1: And exa- and it's because of that mechanism yep. that in the morning or at night when you listen to certain messages mm-hmm. they can they they penetrate with ease. You don't have active resistance. Right. So like if you're trying to learn something like language or if you're trying to like just get a message through to your brain listening early in the morning and late at night is a good way to get it in there because your brain starts activating that passive listening thing.
0: Oh, so I should really, if I want to learn how to speak Cantonese, uh, Cantonese, <laughs> I should listen to it headphones on night, at night in my bed.
1: 100%. Yeah. It's a real
0: thing. <laughs> I, it, I just, you know, we always joked about, cause I mean, I'm older than dirt. You know, put the book underneath your pillow and sleep on it. That's you how absorb you through, all of absorb it. Absorb all the way through. <laughs> um, but no, that makes, that makes complete logical sense because you don't have the filters. And usually at yeah. night you don't have the TV on. You don't have, you know, this on or this going on. And I mean, personally for me, I can't sleep without a fan on. Yeah. I don't know why.
1: Because you need the noise. I
0: need the noise. I need the noise either A, drown, drown out. Something, but it's that it's that sound. I mean, it's, it could be some people's the radio, some people's the TV. I can't the TV is something for me. I can't get behind or the radio because the sound changes.
1: Have you ever tried those Solfeggio frequencies?
0: No. Oh,
1: man, it's a game changer.
0: Is it? <laughs> it, it my it, wife I might already. I feel like I should play it for you. You like, should. I might fall asleep here, but uh, my wife <laughs> might hate you if I have to start wearing headphones to bed. Because now, I'm like, I already wear a C, uh, CPAP machine, which is a life changer. If you've never gotten one and you think you have sleep apnea, you need to get one. Because I'll tell you what, I got that thing in November and I feel so much better. Really? Uh, my you had sister, trouble sleeping before? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a dad, so I'm a light sleeper. I'd get up, you know, the same time every night, not for no reason, and just get up, you know, wake up. Oh. I might take a nap right now. I'm telling you, it's nice. My wife might hate you. <laughs> Sweetheart, I'm sorry. We might have to start playing this. <laughs>
1: so I we, we listen to it every night.
0: Yeah, no, I get it. I love it. You got to find something that helps take you out of that conscious... Um, it takes you from your active brain just going a hundred miles an hour yes. to take you down, and yeah you know melatonin's great um c b great you know there's there's things out there to help that are natural to help you, but they're you know but there's other ways to do it instead of necessarily doing that' I mean, you know a fan helps the seat pat uh, machine for me helps um and I mean I'll say man that stuff is. And it's not, it's not a chemical. It's all natural and all that fun stuff. And, you know, the what CPAP is? machine. The oh, the CPAP, CPAP machine, yeah. I mean, you can do, if you're medical marijuana card, great, awesome. It's all natural. It's, all, it's grown. What yeah. do you think, you know? one of the Certified
1: that, organic, baby.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the oldest medicine in the world, by the way, if you think about it.
1: Yeah, well, and, it, like, it has so... I hate the argument against cannabis because it's retarded. Yeah, oh, I know you I know you're not supposed to say it.
0: But. No, I know. Well, whatever. You're not gonna offend me. Um, <laughs> um, but no, it's it really, you know, I, growing up never was really experienced it and then, you know, moved to California. It's like, oh, you know, yeah, I'll try it. And then my ex wife at the time, you know, she would or well, I guess my wife at the time. Um, she tried and then we were I saw a change in her for the best. Um for me, I can't take it every day because if I take it, doesn't matter if it's up or down, I'll, I'll, I'll fall asleep in yeah. 15 minutes. And You're one of those guys. Ah. <laughs> um, but no, it's, you know, and I mean, I'm for it. I can see the change in the positive, positive aspects of it. Um, and it's not, and it's not a. Well, and beyond med-
1: medicinal use, yeah. the plant itself can be used for manufacturing. Paper,
0: clothing, all this. Ropes. Yeah. I,
1: I mean. Yeah. Everything. Everything. The argument against cannabis as a plant is absurd. Yeah. And, like, have you... I'm sure you've heard the history on how cannabis was outlawed and all the propaganda. paper paper companies. Yes. I forget that guy's name, but the dumbest shit on the planet. Al Gore. (laughs) I don't know. I just wanted to say Um, that. (laughs) Hey, Jamie, can you look that up? (laughs) (laughs) No, No,
0: he's he's our Jamie. He 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 is our Jamie. Why don't you look that up for us?
1: (laughs) Um, it's that, that guy, he had the paper company, um, but in order to like capitalize on the paper, he needed to, he needed, uh, to get hemp out of the way. And so he basically funded and launched this anti hemp propaganda campaign. Well,
0: the same thing with crazy part is the same thing with anything out there right now is regulation and lobbyists and DC, you know, the biggest thing in the United States that's really killing everybody is sugar
1: oh big time
0: but yet they won't regulate big it. time but they won't regulate it yeah because i mean you think all it's, the people that have diabetes and all these issues how much sugar is in your beer your and it's whiskey, multiple and your, times your
1: more addictive than cocaine oh, yeah
0: you know how hard it is i stopped drinking sodas good it's tough and then like even diet cokes and like my wife's like oh i like diet coke and i'm like Gross. That is worse for you than regular Coke. You're better off drinking regular Coke than you are diet Coke. The aspartame is terrible. Oh, it's horrible. And all that synthetic sugar and stuff that's out there is, is bad. And now they're coming out with studies about how much plastic that's they're finding in people's blood. Whoa. Oh, you haven't read this one? No. Oh, okay. So they're discovering that in water and everything that we from drinking to eating that there's plastic. Well, is this the BPH? Yeah. Part of okay. the BPH. So, yeah. but they're starting to trace. It's, it's coming to a point where we're starting to trace it. Oh. So the thing is though, is that when you think about margarine, what's margarine? Uh, olive oil. Uh-huh. And Allegedly. I don't, I don't know what else. Allegedly it's olive oil. Yeah. So what's the, what's the common? Uh, we talked about this before. What's the difference between a plastic bag and a tub of margarine? Other than the bag it's made in, or the container it's made in. Chemically? I don't know. One molecule. What's the molecule? I don't know what the molecule is, but it's one molecule. <laughs> That's that the difference between, between margarine, margarine and a and plastic a, bag.
1: You mean like a plastic grocery bag or like yeah. a Ziploc bag? or uh, Just a
0: plastic grocery bag. One okay. molecule difference. That's insane. So you're but better you know off. You're, it's healthier for you to eat regular butter than it is margarine not oh a good... i would not argue that uh, I, a, and i'm also i am
1: way like i think the people that make the argument that um you know you've got to cut out all the fats you've got to cut out all the oil you've got to cut out all this stuff i i think that's the dumbest stuff you can it's, be preaching to anyone yeah if you're going to cut yeah. anything out you need to cut out sugar and carbohydrates
0: yep well i mean carbs are good right it not in, in excess. yeah so so, that's the
1: problem right now is that people will eat, they go out to Olive Garden or wherever yeah. and they get fettuccine Alfredo with breadsticks <laughs> and then, you know, get like bread on the side and then
0: have 17 beers with it. Yeah. And, and it's like, hey have guys, a large diet Coke. And yeah,
1: you just had 1200
0: grams of freaking carbohydrates. Yeah. I mean, hopefully, hopefully you're working out tomorrow morning. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, it's the same but, thing when I was yeah, but, like
1: yeah. carbohydrates metabolize into sugar, sugar. right? Yeah. So, sugar.
0: I mean what do you, what do you think booze is? Yeah. I mean exactly. booze is all we're doing is converting sugar into into alcohol yeah. by adding yeast. So Well, I mean, and then
1: backwards when it's in your body. Yeah,
0: and it just reverts it and that's what that's what your hangovers from is the sugar. It's
1: crazy. It's crazy.
0: So really when you technically when you detox or when you're coming off of a hangover, you should really drink more booze. Dumb. But the you, hair you drink, the dog? yeah, hair of the dog to help calm it out. Um, but why not,
1: why not just consume something else with, with sugar?
0: You're, you know, cause you're dehydrated in the sugar. So you're better off like a Gatorade or a, uh, another beer to help that. It has to have some type of alcohol content to it to oh. really amp it up. Listen, I just had a wonderful uh, pre-birthday, um, weekend with my wife and I, I, I'm not going to lie. I did go overboard on it, <laughs> um, regretted it the entire next day, but it was a wonderful time. Um, but yeah, and I was like, and I know you didn't, I didn't want to. And I just, I couldn't stomach it that drank a beer, but I was, uh, but I was just like, no, fine. I'll just suffer through it. So I just suffered yeah. through it. But, um, and those things, and there's, I have, Special cocktail room teas to help out a hangover and stuff, but I didn't have any of the stuff at my house. So I was like, well, I have to just suffer. Yeah.
1: I'm the kind where if I'm hungover, I don't even want to think about the idea of drinking. That's why when hungover. I tell you, like,
0: oh, I have a hangover, I'm like, here, here's this, drink this. I'm not going to tell you what's in it, but it'll make you feel better. Yeah.
1: Um, speaking, I just remembered this. You know, I remember when I connected you with Paul Ambriz from the barbershop. Yeah. I was over there the other day and he had mentioned again that he needs to connect with you yeah. on some uh, whiskey stuff yeah. and man, he's got some cool ideas uh, Some of some things that he wants to do at the barbershop with, you know, whiskey and a few, I'm not going to spoil no, by saying it. it
0: no, it, it's cool. Cause I was reading up with the new Oklahoma, um, Oklahoma has so many permits. It just, it, it makes, but I'm trying to read up on them and, Part of my job is trying to read up on them and stay current with them. I can sell cocktails to go. I can sell our club special that we have at Carson Creek to go now.
1: Is it possible to do tastings or to have, or to rather allow people to consume alcohol on your premises without having a liquor license if they don't or aren't paying for it at all? No. So if they're consuming alcohol, you have to have it.
0: The best way, because it's called... uh, there's an acronym for it, but whatever the acronym is, cover your ass. C- CYA. CYA. Okay. Um, there's a, Oklahoma has a permit that you can get complimentary consumption beverages. Oh, okay. That's what it that is a permit that you can get. That's what it is. So needs. I have a barber that I go to in Stillwater. He has that permit. Okay. And he has, you know, beer and. A
1: whiskey and a i bet these guys have it because they they I'm do sure have beer ha- there
0: if they have the permit then the and it's complimentary it's included in your thing now i have a karsten i have a i have a consumption mixed beverage permit and but i can't give like if i want to give a complimentary beverage to somebody i can't it's illegal for me
1: because you have a liquor license because i have
0: a liquor license of a mixed beverage permit for sale gotcha Gotcha. So okay. when, I, when I do give a member a guest, I have to charge myself for it.
1: Okay. So there has to be a tab for each
0: drink that's poured. For me, it does. For, um, for him, no. For the business, there does. For my business, it does. For his, No. He just has to have that permit because he's got the complimentary. Yes. Okay. It's for like the he's not charging for nail salons for the you know the women. They're gonna hand out a mimosa, whatever. I got you. Oh
1: man. Well, anyway, (laughs) we need to get you guys connected. Yeah. No, definitely. He's got some really cool ideas. So, and I know uh, one thing that him and I have in common is we both have like these ideas of what the futures of our business are going to look like, and uh, you know we're both I think constantly just trying to feel these ideas and see where the future is going to take us. Yeah. And man, he brainstorms some awesome stuff. Well, and and that's so a, I'm excited that's, to see what he does.
0: Yeah, and that's the cool thing about, you know, our first meeting here that we talked about and originally how we really kind of met up and talked and you know, we're brainstorming and we don't know what we want to do. We know we want to do more than what we are. And a grand, you know, our big grand scheme of what we want to do you and i if you want to if you want to invest uh send send Craig Oh a, yeah if if you're if you're interested <laughs> hey. in
1: getting in on the ground floor of ground what floor. is going to be something incredible <laughs> yeah. please send your money this way yeah
0: send, it, send <laughs> it this way uh we're not joking we're serious on this <laughs> um but yeah i mean the the grand scheme of what we want to do and i think it was smart and again we're brainstorming we're calling each other texting each other Hey, I just talked to this banker. Hey, I just talked to this guy. You, this, this, and this, and we realize we're, now we're more focused in on what we want to do, and I think that's important because you know the last thing we want to do is we're not newly investors and you know? we're not new to this, but we don't want to be on the hook for millions of dollars for what we want to do. No, and we want to do we're we're focused on we want to we're going to start small work our way up, build some capital so we can do more. And that's any business owner. We all take a risk. I take a risk on my... You can't live without taking risk. No. And can't. if you are, you're not living. You're still living in your mom's basement when you're 35. Exactly. Uh, sorry if you are. Uh, not really, but... No. You,
1: if, you're, <laughs> if you're 35 and in your mom's basement, <laughs> you need to fix some stuff. Yeah.
0: You have some more issues we need to address. Yeah. Sorry, Roderick, if you live at home with your mom at 35. Uh, he's, he's not
1: 35 <laughs> yet.
0: He's got tired. He's like, oh, I'm not even 35. Um... 28. I don't know, whatever. <laughs> He's like, I'm not even 28. <laughs> He's like, dude. Stop. <laughs> dude, stop it. Uh by the way, Roderick, you're awesome. <laughs> Rod is awesome. Dude. Rod's the best. <laughs> um don't <laughs> Um, but uh no, I mean, again, it's you gotta have drive, and you know, every business owner in Guthrie, in the United States, Donald Trump, all those guys took a risk. Yes. Uh, that a- anyone even, that's even ever that, been successful, even that youtuber a uh kid on TV that's 10 years old worth 30 million dollars. Well, he didn't take the risk, his parents took a risk. You have to put yourselves out there, yeah. take a risk. I mean, granted, YouTube, there's really no financial
1: No, but you're right. It's the the risk of putting yourself out there. It's the same thing like what we're doing, yeah. shooting a podcast, putting this up on yeah. YouTube, um, and letting people granted, we don't have a ton of people listening to it, but still uh, it's not the we've
0: point.
1: I mean, it is really kind of the next closest thing to public speaking. And you know that old um, uh, statistic that people are more afraid of dying than they are of speaking in public. I'm sorry, I'm back backwards. No. People are more afraid of speaking in public than they are of dying. No,
0: yeah, no, and I get, I can see that. Yeah, but either so way, if, I was like, I was agreeing with you yeah, both ways. They're, they're like, both scared. They're, they're both, they can both be weird. Yeah, <laughs> it's easier, it's easier doing this than speaking in front of a group of 250 people. Mm. I've, I've done it before. So. I would think so. Cause you only have cameras. I'm not looking at, I mean, this is a guy coming from the prices, right? You're from the guy, you're, you're from the production side and being on TV and yeah. doing all this stuff. So we're kind of comfortable doing this and we know each other pretty well and have a good relationship. So it's easier. Yeah.
1: And, and really at the, at the end of the day, it's supposed to be a conversation. Yeah. We're just, and, uh, and then it just happens to be that people watch the conversation, which is kind of the beauty in it. Mm-hmm. Um, And I, so I recently did a class uh, for my company uh, on public speaking. Mm -hmm. And that was interesting because there were only other, there were 12 other people in the room, but um, it was wild kind of getting up and sharing my story, which is very intimate. Like it's my personal story um, to these people that I don't know. And um, it's, it's a little like nerve wracking opening up and saying those things. And, and like this, it's, it's different. I could say it now and, and it is what it is. Yeah. We
0: can edit it out if it's not, is too weird, but it's. Well, uh, yeah. And,
1: and I'm not a big believer in, in editing out. I think that, you know, you need to be live to live. Yeah, You need to be
0: live to live. Uh, hashtag, hashtag he owns that now. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but like when you're in front of people and their eyeballs are on you and you're telling your story it's uh, it's scary it's but yeah but I think that that is what, People want to hear like people never want to hear the story of the guy that had everything handed to him or right. the the person that succeeded with no effort you know like had a had a goose that laid a golden egg and just cashed in all the time like yeah. people want to hear the story of the people that had to sacrifice and fail and fall and came back and did it
0: yeah and that's and that's the thing too is that you know public speaking on that part it's hard because you're trying to open up to a group of people you kind of know or you don't know at all so yeah. it's tough and you have to share an emotion that's very hard for you as a person to those people well and, and you might sharing
1: it you want to conv- you want them you want to them feel, feel it.
0: it and that's and that's even it's hard and you're trying to hold your emotion with it as well be um so somewhat be controlled and under uh, control your own emotion, but you still have strong feelings about it. And I was taught in public speaking, uh, Ted Korn. I don't think you'll ever see this, but, um, dad Korn. So, I know. so I'm a, uh, 32nd degree Mason D Malay. So you uh, are, yeah. Um, what? Yeah. How did I not know this? Oh yeah. I never told you this. So I'm, uh, what? yeah. So Shriner, I haven't been through there yet, but I ha- I'm trying to demit from Ohio and come down here. So, so, um, but in Demolays, they teach a lot of public speaking. So this is why I'm really for like rainbow girls and all that stuff, which is for girls and Demolays is for boys. And the Masonic body is very whole. A lot of people, you know, there's a lot of superstition behind it. Yeah, there's some weird stuff that happened long time ago but the foundation is strong and good and the world's oldest and largest fraternity by the way the, the sonic body um so with that you know demon Lease taught a lot of public speaking and one of the visors, dad Visors, told me ted corn Dad corn is what we called him or i call them data green corn no one gets that joke other than people that know him. um he told me people only remember two parts of the speech, the beginning and the end. That's all you have to do. Nail those two. Nail those two. And then the okay. middle, no one remembers the middle. I'll have to remember that. Just think about it. Yeah. Think about it. What, when you're in a big hour speech, you don't remember the whole, thing. you remember the first maybe four minutes How did they then you open? Rem- and then how is the end? Yeah. And then the mess doesn't matter. Yeah. That you know what that will actually
1: make me feel more comfortable speaking. Yeah, in public. just
0: I mean, so if you, the
1: whole you middle nail part the is opening,
0: all, yeah, nail the opening, nail the end, and if it's all jumbly kind of as long as <laughs> <it> makes kind <laughs> of sense, yeah, Charlie Brown in the middle somewhere, but at the end, as long as you have make a good point and a good conclusion, that's all they'll remember is the beginning and the end, and that's all they'll remember. Yeah, and you think about it, go back, and you think about all the speeches that you listen to. What do you pull back? I remember the beginning and the end. I'll have to keep that in mind going forward. Think, and just take the next couple of days and you just think about what you listen to. And you're like, yeah, that was an hour speech. And I got, hello, my name is blah, 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 blah. Don't remember the middle. And I remember the conclusion. I mean,
1: I, I see that. I also think like when I listen to something... Um, I, I do see, I, I try and practice active listening Mm -hmm. and uh, it's a lot harder than it sounds. It's very hard, but in, in doing so, like the habit that I've picked up is when I, when I am doing that, I say whatever I'm hearing, whatever I'm hearing, I say in my head and that kind of just helps. It helps me focus on what it is that I'm hearing. And, um, so I would say like when I'm in that zone or in that mindset, I feel like I'm hearing the whole thing. But if I'm like passively listening or like you're talking about at a, like a seminar or something, mm-hmm. I might not be actively listening. And there's so a I lot of things
0: going on. Yeah. I'm distracted
1: by the person over here, picking their nose <laughs> and like whatever, Scratching their ass. Yeah.
0: yeah. Stuff like that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So no, I totally get that. Yeah, but no, you totally glossed over this Mason thing.
0: Yeah. Uh, not too many people in Oklahoma know that.
1: Yeah. So... Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Dive in. Ask away. <laughs> uh, well, no, I'm curious because we have one of the largest temples in the country here yes. in Guthrie.
0: Yes. And I did not know that until I moved here.
1: Really? Yes. That's incredible. Yes. You know, um, Tim, I, I don't know his last name, but Tim, he's the groundskeeper for the temple. Mm-hmm. And uh, my wife actually knows him from, they've shot so much there. Yeah. I mean, crap, she... they did the
0: whole, which I'm still excited about the movie, Reagan. Uh, Not yet. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Filmed like their entire movie here, it seems like. Just about. And I'm, I mean, I'm really intrigued about that because, I mean, there's a lot of famous people that are Masons and Demolays and um, part of the Masonic body, Eastern Stars and all that stuff. And the organization does more good than, than bad than people think that it was. Um, Well, I know a lot
1: of people think that it's this like crazy secret society, or uh, like the illuminati yeah um i tend to look at it more as like what i understand the masons to be which is more of like a sort of um support thing almost like a more, networking there's more
0: there's there's networking in it because i mean in in the masonic body i know a lot of people that do lots of different things again just like at karsten creek it's just a another version of a club a club yeah um And I know a lot of people that can do things or not things, but different aspects in their business. And how I view it for myself is that I could recommend you to another Mason, like say, Hey, listen, you're looking for a new car. He's a car salesman. I'll tell you what, I'm my brother's a Mason. You can go, go see him. He might not be able to cut you a deal, but he's going to be honest and point you in the right direction. So if anything, we I mean, not me able to make this big deal, but give you an honest truth opinion about what's going on, what that deal is or what this is or what this is. There's a level of honesty in there. Okay. Well, I mean, that's fair. I get that. Yes. And Mason's, we do have our secrets. Um, it's nothing crazy. Um, you Are know? you sure? Yeah, I'm sure. Damn it. Um but uh I mean back back three hundred plus years ago, yeah, maybe, but not nowadays. It's not it's not yeah. that way. But um how far back do the Masons go? Uh building of the Catholic churches. So you you're talking like right late twelve. Uh, mm-hmm. Late twelve hundreds? Mm-hmm. Okay. Think of the you watch Oak Island on History Channel, yeah. Okay, yeah. okay, so so, um, yeah, a little farther back than that. So. Okay, okay, well, I guess so. I mean, uh, part of part of the Masons and why, I, uh, Friday well, wait, the 13th, Catholic churches go back way further than that. We're yeah. talking Rome, yeah, so Catholic Church, so the Masons were building the churches in Europe and okay so they were building the churches and so they're pretty much think of it the first i view it as the first union ever made ah that's how i view it as part of it. i mean i knew that
1: they're they uh, f- like their they were f- their foundation was in like architecture and right. design you no know, it's, still,
0: it's still it it, it is but like think of the camarader- or how unions are today well not, as, not yeah, yeah, I know uh, ch- I know ch- how they're how supposed the, to be, how they're supposed to be, yeah, for the people, you know, the community, and stuff like that, yeah, um, so really, it was like the 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 world's first uh union of like rights and stuff like that, and you know people coming together and forming a Relationship with God and with their brothers that are working on the job site, and um, there's more into it, but you know it, it's part of that, and it just builds onto a relationship. And you have to go to be a mason; you have to go through a lot of pro, a lot of processing and different different. To be a thirty second, you have to go through thirty second degrees there's a very there's a few people in the world that hit 33rd which is 32 30, 33 and there's very little people that hit that mark very few
1: so, wait so you're a 32nd degree mason yeah but there's like a fraction of those people that become a 33rd yeah, you degree.
0: have to get there's approval levels and all kinds of stuff you have to get, go through to get that to that point so do you ever go to these meetups um, I haven't in a long time just because I've been moving or my relationships and Ross, moving across the like country about this. Yeah. I mean, we could have some fun <clears throat> stories. So, but no, but a lot of my friendships and the public speaking and all that stuff came from, and for me being an introvert as a kid to being more outspoken and being a person I am today, I give a ton to Malays and the Masonic body. How old were you when you got, when you got started? <clears throat> 15. 15. Yep. And I I went to one meeting the first time and I was like, eh, mom, I don't know if I'm about this. She goes, give it a second try. If it doesn't, if it's something you don't like, well then we, you won't do it. I went to the second meeting, had a blast. Great group of guys. I'm lifelong friends with them. I've known them crap now 20, 20 plus years. And we still talk to each other and the, the relationships that you have. And it's not school friends. Some of them are, were school friends. But, you know, um, they're friends outside of your, like, high school. You know, they're they're people outside of your community. And you all come together to join, to do community work. And, you know, just co-mingle as a different group of people. I think that's the best way to explain it, but I don't. It's okay. Whatever, it works out. Yeah, but no. I'm fascinated. I know I I no, I'm <laughs> like, so when I moved here and I, I saw that and I was like, I did not realize it. I still haven't gone through this temple yet. You need to.
1: It's I amazing. I, I, it I can't absolutely imagine cuz
0: I had uh where our lodge was at, where our or where our meetings were at was the biggest one second biggest one in Ohio. This is the biggest massive. in the United States. Yeah.
1: So, um, they, uh, and this guy, Tim, man, oh my God, this guy feeds into the mystery or the, uh, mystique of the Masons. Uh, and he loves it. He loves it. Oh, we'll, great. we'll be, we'll be talking about the, the temple and, um, all the, the history behind it and the scary stuff or the mystery and everything. And he'll just throw out little comments, about the, you know, he'll be telling you about the, the grounds and everything. And, um, then he'll mention the basement <clears throat> and, uh, he'll just passively say like, oh yeah. And the incinerator's down there. Uh, and then he'll just move on and you're like, wait, what, what incinerator? He's <laughs> Trash like, incinerator. <laughs> he's like, that's where we get rid of the bodies. You know, it's just like weird <laughs> stuff, worries. but no, he's that, just, he's goofing off. That, I
0: mean, that's, that's what makes it fun. Um, you know, no, I mean, Masons as a whole. I mean the 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 Shriners and their cars driving around. I I just I couldn't get behind the Shriners one because Shriners are really expensive to be a part of. Oh um, really? Oh yeah. I mean there's there's fees to go along with all of it, but um, but it's one of those things that with my staff at Carson Creek they go oh like oh I'm in a sorority or I'm in a fraternity and I pay. I pay this amount of money here. I'm like, Good Lord. And then they go, and then I get fined if I don't show up for stuff. And I just bash them for, I don't I'll say bash them for it. I just go, why pay somebody to tell you what to do when I can pay you to tell, for me to tell you what to do. You know, and then like, something in that the amazed me. it's like, we're part, sorry. I'm um, part of the, you know, the Masonic body is that, you know, we're for the community. We raise money for, Scho- uh, scholarships for kids to go to school and and do parts and stuff but it's really silent. It's like it's not What do you mean silent? It's like we don't put a big flag and a big oh Facebook like it's not publicized. It's not publicized. Yeah. It's very behind the scenes. It's mm-hmm. very quiet. We don't we're not we're not flashy. We don't want to be showy. We just like, "Hey, listen, I know you need help. Let me help you." Yeah, Uh, I view it as we do more for it than a lot of other nonprofit organizations do.
1: I get that. And I think when you look at the Masons from the the standpoint of uh, for like young men or or even, um, uh, you know, professionals operating a business the ability to like integrate into a network of other like-minded men where you can, you know, have discussions and, um, you know, like network, uh, you know, maybe I'm in real estate and, uh, let's just say you is, you know, working at Carson Creek, uh, we can intermingle our networks. I can help you. You can help me. I mean, it's, it's mutually (laughs) beneficial, but, um, I, I don't understand these kids, or people that are in things like sororities or fraternities, where like you're saying you have to pay like fees to be a part of that. And then you're getting fined if you don't show up to an event, but it's like, I, I I'm sure there are fraternities out there that are like really beneficial for you, right. like in your, um, your collegiate uh, career, so to speak. But for these fraternities where it's like, you know, Capify uh, Gamma, like, pound alcohol every hour of every day it's like why the fuck would i pay you anything to be a part of that
0: yeah that's the thing that i don't i don't understand Guarantee. it i have never been a part of that part of that organization or the the or part of those i don't get it i don't understand it for me as a business person it cuts into my staffing who i hire how many people i hire blah 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 blah, blah. And for Masons, I just, the Masonic body, It just, there's something homey about it. And, um,
1: is it the like-mindedness?
0: I think so. Yeah. I think so. Granted, I was like the youngest person in my lodge when I joined and everyone was like 40 years older than me. Um, <laughs> sorry, I just <laughs> flashback and I can't tell you about it. So, um we have our secrets but it, it it they're they're good things it's nothing bad everything that everybody talks about and bs's with and like oh no they're all about no listen if you the if you look at the declaration of independence uh i think it's 13 people on that yeah our masons yeah so i love watching Hi- history channel pull all that stuff up and tell it i love all that stuff and you know the call me a nerd or or weird but you know the national treasure with Nicolas cage i love those movies oh man i'll tell you what of them that I mean there a lot of stuff that is i think is true but or well part of the history of the masonic body is true and i have a sad but positive i don't know sad i don't know anyways but so i had a a brother of mine um and we call each other brothers because that's what we are. Advisors and Dimolay's are dads, and cars are wow. brothers. So, <clears throat> um, so I had a brother of mine, uh, was inspired to be a film director because you we were in film, and he was inspired to tell the story. When he graduated college, he was inspired to tell the story of, and do a movie of Jacques Dimolay. So it's part of the Malay society. And if you read up, I don't, you can pull them pull it up and, and read yeah, about. I don't him. know anything about. Yeah. So, he, so what he did and, you know, he sacrifices life to protect his brothers pretty much just to sum it up. Okay. To kind of take a story that's this big to kind of down to this big. And, um, and so, but he, he tragically his. Someone shot him in the in the head. When they were getting ready to produce it, so oh, well that's sad. It wasn't when he just produced it. It was his ex wife that did it. So that
1: executed him.
0: Yeah, it opened it up the door and shot him right in the face. Wow, yeah. it's like. I I don't know what happened to that one. So she uh,
1: thought he was spending too much time with the brothers.
0: Yeah, uh, I don't know. No, it was before. I mean, he, he was working on getting this stuff together, but he wasn't in it. But yeah, she was. She's like you and
1: that damn fraternity.
0: <laughs> so, but edit that part out. But no, it's no. It's, <laughs> he's like, I got you. I got you. I don't appreciate. It. No, but no. I mean, it's it's just like the story behind, you know the. You know, the Masonic body is very homing and very, you know, the feel of Oklahoma, a big family hug, that camaraderie that you develop and, and that you have. And, you know, I've got I can go any anywhere and find find a brother. I find more here in Oklahoma than I do anywhere. Yeah. So, man, I'm just uh, I'm even surprised in San I Fr- didn't C- know. In San Francisco. I found a ton of them in San Francisco. And that's the most left city that I've ever that you can be on the planet of the Earth. Yeah. And I found them there. Wow. And I they have a I just have no idea. They have a beautiful place there. But yeah, no, it's um it's interesting. I mean I love it. Very and I mean if you guys are interested in it, I once I commit here I'll bring you in if you're interested we'll call
1: Tim right now and go for a field trip. Here's
0: the thing is that you have to be asked, you can't be asked in. you can't ask in. I have to someone has to ask you in.
1: Oh, we can go tour the temple. I need to go tour the Let's temple. Let's do it. Now it's to. it's beautiful in there. The one of the things that amazes me is the uh of course marble floors everywhere, oh. but the woodwork in there is incredible. Like it's detailed and you can tell yeah. it's solid wood um carved. I mean it's it's like a work of art, the whole place.
0: There's a uh, a painting of um George Washington in his Masonic Megalia. regalia, regalia. Regalia. Yeah, yeah, regalia. Um kneeling on the top of Fort Sumter.
1: Yeah. I know.
0: I yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's just absolutely gorgeous. And mm. I don't I've never seen it. I keep hearing about it. I've seen photos of it. You can Google it. I know. I've seen the, the Google photo. Oh, but, but you've have, never seen the actual I've never Yeah, seen it. neither. I've I've but seen I know it. the I know yeah. what you're talking about. And um, that's part of I mean the US is pretty much founded on base of the Masonic views.
1: You know, speaking of the founding,
0: cuz I've cuz people view like, "Oh, it's religious." I'm like, "No, because In Masonic body, it's like I've I have brothers that are Jews and everything else, and I we pray next to each other. Mm -hmm. All we view, all we ask, is that you believe in something bigger than yourself.
1: Yeah. So architect of the universe. Yes.
0: And anything outside of I mean, we just ask you to believe in something more. And I mean, I've brothers that are friends that are lifelong friends that we all view. We our religious belief excuse me, our religious beliefs are different, but we still believe that there's something more than us. Yeah.
1: We're gonna have to dive some more into that sometime, man. Okay.
0: But. I got some weird stories. Funny stories. We're gonna have we're gonna have to do a deep dive.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but man, I think we've uh, we've run out of time. But it's yeah, been wonderful to have you on. So I yeah, really appreciate it. it. This hopefully, was a great conversation. Hopefully,
0: we got some more than randomness than usual. But yeah. yeah,
1: well, I mean, it was nice to dive into some of the Carson Creek stuff. Tell some yeah. ghost stories.
0: Those stories are weird yeah fun. <laughs>
1: we'll have to come on again i was glad we uh, actually decided to break out a couple beers because yeah. that you know loosened it up a little bit yeah,
0: it helps it out a little bit yeah it's uh, motor going
1: lubes up the conversation yeah <laughs>
0: that's where it needs to be
1: all right well ross langendorfer food and beverage director at carston creek <laughs> thank you thank you appreciate it absolutely all right guys we'll catch you on the next one Alrighty. shabam